So quick question, how many of you have ever been to the DMV? Just show hands here, ever been to the DMV? Okay, so you can commiserate with me, right? Um, this week, uh, last, last weekend, I sold our giant conversion van. So if you see a conversion van in Worcester, it's not me anymore, okay? Um, and I bought like a small Saab kind of station wagon thing. So I went from a van to a station wagon. I'm cool. Um, and, um, and the thing is, you have to transfer your title. You have to transfer your plates, all that kind of stuff. And the Wayne County Worcester office is now closed, right? So I had to go down to Millersburg and, uh, and go, go down to Millersburg. So who else is in Millersburg? Everybody that wanted to be in Worcester. And so uh, I went to the DMV and they have this digital thing. You, you put the, your, your phone number in, they text you, your number 807. I'm like, 807? I'm like, how many people are there? So now you're waiting, right? You're looking at a screen, you're wondering if I'm 807 and up there it's like V113 and V16. I'm like, I'm an eight. What is going on? I'm going to be here like all day, right? You don't, their whole numbering system is crazy. And, uh, and so I look over and there's no seats because all the seats are taken and there's people down the hallway hanging out against the wall. And so uh, this happened Tuesday. Tuesday morning for me, just so you know, Tuesday morning is my sermon day. So Tuesday mornings, we have our teaching team, which is always awesome. And then from teaching team, I go and I disappear for the day and I study all day. So I'm thinking, okay, I have to get my sermon done. I try to get it done by Wednesday morning. So that's how far ahead I try to get in the week. And, uh, and I'm sitting there going, uh, I don't know if I'm getting my sermon done today because I'm sitting in the DMV uh, waiting for my number and a text message. And then as I'm, as I'm there, people start to kind of circulate out and then a chair opens up and there's no ladies because I'm nice. So there's no ladies waiting for a chair. There's an old guy, not an old guy. I would say there's a, there was a construction worker and I'm like, he's fine. So I sat because I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to sit. And, um, and so now I'm sitting and waiting and I'm just scrolling through things. I'm actually like studying on my phone as I'm sitting there. And then the lady from the DMV comes out and says, hey, if you're here and you're trying to get your driver's license, just so you know, it's going to be an extra hour and a half wait because our printer went down and we have to wait for the guy to come and fix it. And I'm sitting there going, does that mean I have to wait because somebody else had to wait? Because like, am I, how long am I going to be in the DMV? Anybody ever feel my pain? Right? Have you ever been there? I, I tell you what, you, the passage in Ecclesiastes says that God said eternity in the hearts of man. I tell you, I felt eternity in my heart that time, right? Like sitting there waiting, is this going to be eternity? And, and, uh, and then I got up, finally, they count my number, I go to there, and, and, uh, and I'm, I have to do two things. I have to transfer the title, and I have to get my plates, you know, renewed and all that kind of stuff. And she sent it to the wrong printer. She sent it to the printer that doesn't exist, right? To the one that the guy, and there's a guy on the back, and he, he has it literally, every part of the printer is out on the counter. I'm like, is that the only printer you have? So now I'm thinking, I'm the guy that's going to have to wait for that printer to be done, and she can't figure it out. And are you feeling me? Yeah. It just kept going and going and going and going. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <sighs> Give me patience and grace. And I had patience and grace, and I cracked jokes with them, and I'm like, this isn't your fault. And, you know, so, like, I'm, I'm not the jerk. It's some, sometimes you get people in there, and there was one dude in there that was like, and you just felt it the whole time. You're like, oh, my gosh. You just felt tense the whole time because his world was completely coming to an end um, right then. Now, imagine doing all that, and you're a mom, and you have a toddler with you. All of a sudden, it got how much worse? A lot, like 20 times worse because a toddler... I, I don't know if you've ever gone shopping with a toddler. Toddlers can be very antsy, and they can be very like, uh, you know, they might be patient for a little bit, and all of a sudden they say, I'm 
bored, right? The I'm bored statement. And, and, uh, and then you start going, when I was a kid, you know, you'd start into that whole thing. Like I had to go grocery shopping and I didn't have a screen to look at on play with a game. And I didn't, ha- like I had to, my mom just sent me to the toy aisle and said, I'll find you. You know, that's what the, <laughs> you remember that those times, like parents didn't care where you were. It's like, if somebody takes them, I, I have another one, you know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it was a completely different, the eighties, man, the eighties. Um, that's just how we lived. I'm bored. The thing is, though, when you get older, you can't wait for boredom, right? Like, I, I, like for me, as I get older, I'm like, I would love to be bored. Like, I would love to, like, oh, I don't have anything to do. This is boring. Life changes, doesn't it? Like, our perception of time, our, our perception of, of, of uh, how time goes, whether it feels like it's taking forever and you're saying, I'm bored, or it's like, whoa, that just went way too fast, and like, time just went bloop, and it disappeared. Last week, uh, we had two illustrations. You guys remember what they were? They were bubbles and bicycles, right? So bubbles, the whole imagery of bubbles is that that's our life. It's like, it's like a bubble. It's like, boom, God breathes life into us, and we're floating out there, and then boop, and then there's an end. And, and, it, and that's the meaningless, meaningless part of what Solomon's teaching in Ecclesiastes. It's like, it's that term vapor. It's like, poof, it's like we're a breath and then, and then life is over. And, um, and so we're talking about Solomon's great experiment in the book of Ecclesiastes, thinking about this tension of time. This morning's sermon is called, It's About Time. Okay, that's what we're talking about this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. If you don't know where it's at, it's okay to use your table of contents in your Bible or your app. Scroll to find this long word, Ecclesiastes, and click on it. Uh, We're going to be in chapter 3. But last week we learned that Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he was the king over Israel, and, and he was the son of David. David passed away, and now he's this great wise king. He's getting to the end of his life, and he, he we, we believe, I believe he wrote this towards the end of his life. Um, and, and he wrote it as in, as I've experienced everything under the sun. You hear the phrase under the sun over and over again. He's just talking about the, the breadth of the beginning and the end of your life here on earth. He said, I, I did not withdraw from any pleasure. I pleased myself with whatever I saw. And he could. He was the king. He had control. So he, he experimented with everything, right? Last week I talked about he had knowledge. He had wealth, he had pleasure, he had work, he had fame, he had sex. He had everything that everybody would ever want. And still the things today, us as human beings are still longing to have. And he had all of it. And then he says, and here's my conclusion, meaningless, meaningless. It's like, wow, wow. And he's, he's painting a picture for us because if, if you try to find meaning in the wrong thing, you, you're, you're going to miss out, is what he's saying. Because he tried everything. He tried all the... It was interesting. This week, there was a, a song that came out that was released this week by two of my favorite pop artists, uh, Andy Grammer and the Fits and the Tantrums. If you don't know who they are, it's okay. You're old. It's okay. Um, but like this song that he, that he wrote, I want us to listen to the lyrics. Did I offend somebody? If I offended you, it's okay. Um, so <laughs> sometimes I'm just kidding. I'm playing with you. This song, it's like he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes in this song. It's the song called The Wrong Party. And I just want you to listen to the song. This is just a port, like one minute of the song and the lyrics. And see, see if it connects with what Solomon was talking about. So let's listen. That's Ecclesiastes. Like when it, Nikki in teaching team was like, yeah, Andy Grammer just came out with the song. And we led the, I'm like, that's it. That's, it's like you've been tr- trying to chase things. Um, but you can't take any of it with you. There's no U-Haul to heaven, right? You, the, I, t- trust me, there's no hearse with a U-Haul. It doesn't work. 
It, you can bury it with you. It just turns to rust and won't go up with you, right? And, uh, and you've been at the wrong party. So often we chase and we go to the wrong party instead of chasing the right things. All right, point number one that I want us to understand as we continue in this series is chasing the wrong things will never lead to a right and meaningful life. Fill, fill in the blanks. If you've got your worship programs, you can fill in the blanks. If you don't have that, you can just take notes in your phone or however you want to do that. But, but chasing the wrong things will never lead to a right and meaningful life. If you go to the wrong party, you're not going to have the right experience, right? That's, that's what he was saying. Like, you've been... the why waste your time at the wrong party? Trying to impress people that will never care. Um, that's the wrong party. We want to do the right things that lead to a meaningful life. And here is Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes saying, I've experienced it all. And I'm telling you, it's the wrong party. It's meaningless. Meaningless, it's a chasing after the wind. Everything under the sun is what he says. And so we want to learn how to chase the right things. We want to have this idea as we get in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that it really matters what we do with time. It's all about time because we only have so much time while we're here on this earth and we want to use it well, okay? You guys heard a song at the beginning, right? The to everything turn, turn, turn. Like that's an old song. So, um, so I tried to do an old one and a new one, all right? So we're, Spectrum, we're in there together, okay? Um, so we're going to hop into the, the verse in Ecclesiastes where that song was written um, and how it was written out to understand how do we find the right things, how do we live a meaningful life, how do we do this together, okay? So let's do it. Let's hop in. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you're with me, say, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so here we go. It says, There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born, a time to die a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search, and a time to give up, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love and a, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. It's a time for everything. Anybody feel those tensions? Every single one of those is a tension, yeah. right? You have the good thing and the bad thing. And what he's saying, there's a time that you will experience both. <laughs> yeah. You will go through seasons of blessing and you'll go through seasons of lack. You know, you'll go through seasons of much and you'll experience seasons of little. You'll go through seasons of joy and you'll go through seasons of pain and hurt. Like he's saying, there, no matter what, we will all in our human life under the sun experience both ends of that tension. We're going to have good things and we're going to have bad things. See, this first passage that in, in Ecclesiastes, we're going to continue in a minute, but <clears throat> this first thing I want us to understand is that in our life, with this thing called time, that, that there is a law of seasons and cycles. There's a law of seasons and cycles in life, right? Um, and, and that God has a purpose for each season and each cycle that we go through in our life. Now, um, I, I want to use an illustration to, to kind of make this uh, stick with us. I, I, hopefully this will work. If not, then forget it and just remember this point. Um, 
our family, so Nikki and I, Nikki and I are different, okay, my wife and I, Nikki, uh, and that's good. There's a good tension, and a lot of times in marriages, like, opposites attract, and that's good, and then it's bad, right? <laughs> it's like, it's like it, it brings, like, great, like, beauty in the relationship, and sometimes it, you know, it creates that kind of thing, and one thing for us that's like, come on, like, we don't like the same kind of TV shows at all. Like, we just don't, and, and it frustrates me. It doesn't frustrate her because she gets her way, right? So that's how this whole relationship works, right? And so if I want to watch something I like, I'm by myself somewhere. I'm watching it, and if she watches something she's like, okay, I'll sit with you because I love you, right? She doesn't love me as much, so that's where we're going with it. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. She's at home. I love you. I'm sorry that you don't feel good today, all right? Um, so, so with our TV shows, like every now and then we find a show we both like watching, and it's like, it's very few. And one of the shows we enjoy watching is this, this show on Netflix called The British Baking Show. Has anybody ever watched The British Baking Show? Oh man, we love that show. It's so chill. Like I love shows that I don't have to get emotionally invested in people's pain. Like I love those kind of like, make me laugh a little bit. Let me, let me enjoy. And, and the cool thing is it's British. So they're all speaking really cool, right? Like, like they're not like us. It's not like, and here is a cake. Like they're like, here is a sponge cake. You know, they're like got this crazy, I can't do an English accent. Like just the way they talk, you're like, this is, uh, you just love it. And so it's all these amateurs competing. These amateur bakers are competing um, to, to win a plate. That's all they get in the end is a plate. And I'm like, 100 grand, please? You know, like, come on, I did good. You know, no, here's your plate. And, um, and, uh, and so they go through this competition. And, and I've learned a lot about baking from it. Not that I bake. I don't bake anything, okay? Um, if, if, it, if I can, like, cut the thing out of the fridge and put it on the tray and bake the cookie, right? And it doesn't burn. That's me. But I've seen them bake cakes, and there's, like, any, do we have any bakers? Like, I know we have some here at New Hope. Like, th- those of you who just love to bake, right? Like, like, when you bake, you have to be very intentional about how you do it. I mean, there's, there's certain things you have to do, there's certain things you don't do. You have to have the right ingredients. You got you to gotta prepare them the right way. You got to bake it in the right oven with the right temperature, all that kind of stuff. And, <clears throat> and so, like, I've seen them uh, make this thing called a Genoese sponge cake, okay? And here's a picture of what it should look like when it's done. It's a very light, fluffy sponge cake. It just has eggs and, and some other stuff, all right? So, and, um, and so when they make it, they, they do it a very specific process. They beat the eggs until they're light and fluffy and all that kind of stuff. Then they add the flour. When you add the flour, you have to fold the flour in because you don't want the, the air that was in the beaded eggs to like like the sink. So you got to fold it carefully so it keeps it tight. And, and then you got to mix it all together, put it in the, in the cake tin and put it in the oven for the right amount of time, you know, the, the right temperature and the right humidity at the right, you know, altitude. I mean, everything's got to be perfect. And then it comes out looking like that. It's really beautiful. So the right temperature, the right ingredients, you know, the, the right process, and it looks beautiful. But, but I tell you, if I made it, it would probably look a little bit more like this. <clears throat> That has the same ingredients, but <laughs> the eggs got beaten the heck out of, right? And so there was no air in that cake. And then when it went in the oven, oops, I forgot to set a timer. And then, like, you get it back, and you're like, what's that smell? Why is the alarm going off? And like, oh, I'm baking. And everybody knows, yeah, they're baking. Like, I don't know if some of you are like that. They know you're baking because the alarms are going off. Um, and then it looks like that. Anybody want to eat that? No, 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 you don't. See, uh, let me connect the dots here with what I'm talking about. Because our life is made up of ingredients. Like the things we go through in life, we, here at New Hope, we call it the peaks and valleys of life. 
If you go through Equip, our, our personal growth process that we do for a year, it starts with going through this uh, process of looking at the peaks and the valleys of your life. Like, where were things great, and what was that like, and what did you experience, and what was a valley? What was a pain or a hurt you went through, and then back to another peak and another valley? And that's how we live our lives, right? It's seasons and cycles. Things are good, and then things are hard, and then things are great, and then things are that struggling. And, and we go through these peaks and valleys, and those peaks and valleys that we go through in our life are like the ingredients in that cake. And God is doing something to mold us because he's the one that has all the ingredients. He knows what we need, what you need, what I need. We're all different. It's a beautiful thing about God as a heavenly father. He knows each of his kids. He knows each of us. And the, and the thing with seasons, we are all going to go through peaks and valleys. We're going go through hard times and good times. And in the end of our life, it's not a matter of if you've gone through hards and, or hard times and good times or peaks and valleys. It's a matter of how you've gone through them. Are you with me? Because some of you look at the seasons that you go through and the cycles of like good and bad, and you've let life beat you up. Where God had a purpose, and he does have purposes, that, that you have chosen to say, I only look at the valleys. I forget about the peaks. I only look at the valleys, and in the end, I feel like that last cake. I feel squashed, I feel burnt, I'm bitter, I'm angry, nobody wants to be around me, and all of that emotion is just bleh. And I'm telling you, that's not God's plan or purpose for you. Whenever we stop and we look at the valleys, the seasons and cycles we go through, we also have to look at the peaks. And here's the thing for us. I know in my story and so many stories, and many of you who have gone through Equip and have done this process, you realize if you take time to understand God actually meets you more in the valleys than he does at the peaks. And when we allow God to use a season and a cycle in our life for what he wants to, that makes us enjoy the peak all the more because we saw God in the valley and he led us to the peak, whatever that is, to that growth, to that understanding. Now, here's the thing. I know some of you in this room, you have been wounded. I mean, deeply wounded. You've gone through extreme things that if you told your story to all of us, we would say, I can't even believe what you've been through. And I know that I'm not dismissing pain, okay, when I'm saying this. Some people have done things to you that they should have never done, and it was pure evil. It had, God had nothing to do with it. But, but what I do know, even in those things that have been done to us, we still have a choice of what we do after it. If we allow ourselves to turn out like the burnt cake, or can God even use that broken, horrible situation and redeem it in your life to use it to bless somebody else who went through the same thing? When I, when I read that passage that we read last week, that there's nothing new under the sun, I believe that's a part of that story. Everything you've gone through, somebody else has gone through, and we're called to not <clears throat> waste it. He is trying to do something beautiful in us, even through the pain and in the peaks of our life, and he wants to do something beautiful in our life. He has a purpose. He has a purpose in it. I'm getting ahead of myself. Because um, I have another point, and I was already going there. I'm not ready yet. When we talk about the peaks of valleys, it, so I want to encourage you because I'm preaching about it. Like, if you want to do that process, um, I want you to go to this link. You can hold your phone up or take a picture of this right now. You can go to our, this is the website we use for our equip class. It's, it's the website we created, walkinglikejesus.com forward slash start. 
okay? Go to walkinglikejesus.com forward slash start, and that'll take you right to the Peaks and Valleys online course, okay? And I walk through the story of Joseph in the Old Testament and the things he goes through, the ups, downs, sold into slavery, you know, leading a household, thrown in prison, becomes ruler over, like, he goes through, and we go through it. And God wants to use those seasons and cycles for his purpose in your life. We're starting Equip here in October again. Um, if you're watching this at a later date, we usually start it twice a year, but, um, but even I would just encourage you to take that first step and do that course and see where God is in the seasons and cycles and see where he was in those peaks and valleys of your life and, uh, and see what he might want to do. Now, um, let's see, what's my next slide? Okay, let me, let me do a, a little side note here. Because when he's talking about time, there's a time for this, a time for that, a time for work, a time for, you know, all this kind of stuff. He's, he's saying all this thing, there's time for these different seasons and cycles. And sometimes when we feel like, we feel like life is short, we feel that, like, that, that brevity of, of what we're experiencing, some of us in this room have a tendency to say, then I just need to work harder, right? Some of you are like, I got too much to do to slow down and stop because if this is all I got, I got to go, 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 and I got to work, work, work. And, and, and maybe some of you have a little bit of control issues. I'm just, maybe some of you. Um, you can use elbows, all right? If, if it's, no, I'm just kidding. And the problem is what we do is we actually then live outside of God's seasons and cycles for our life when we just work, 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 work. Let me explain something about God. God is not a slave driver, God is a God of seasons and cycles, and, and one season and cycle that he put into place at the very beginning of creation that we need to learn about when we're talking about using our time well is this thing called the Sabbath. See, God created everything in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. God, the God of the universe, chose to chill out on day seven because he needed to. I don't think he needed to. He was preparing us for seasons and cycles that then he gifted to mankind. We see when, uh, when the Israelites, and he started making these rules for them, the law of the Ten Commandments, and, and he started putting these things into place, he told them, you need a Sabbath rest. He, he said, okay, yeah, work six days, work, do all that you need to do. On the seventh day, stop everything. Rest, breathe, be, enjoy your labor, Right? Enjoy what you've worked to get to in that breath and that break, letting yourself and your family take a breather and rest. We see all that through the whole Old Testament, and I believe it is still a promise in the New Testament that God made us for that season and cycle of Sabbath rest. So I would, I would challenge you, if you're a workaholic, if you feel guilty when you're sitting or when you're not doing something, um, you got to wrestle with that one. You got to get that one out of you, okay? Now, I'm not saying be lazy. I'm not saying ignore your family. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is invest in your family in rest. Spend time with them, but not working. Not like, here's my projects. Here's my to-do list. Here's my da-da-da. I got to get this done. I got to get that done. I didn't get done this last week. And some of you going to have a heart attack, right? God has given us and loved us so much. He has put it this cycle in season for us. Six days work, seventh day rest. Now, I don't get legalistic with it, right? Because like the legalism part of it is 
Sunday is the day of Sabbath. You're not supposed to do anything on Sunday. That's the day that God set aside. And if you don't do it, you're sinning against him. And blah, blah, blah. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do to Jesus. Like, oh, you just healed somebody on the Sabbath. Oh, you're sinning, Jesus. And Jesus is like, I don't sin. Thank you. Like, I heal <laughs> on Sabbath. Um, and so this isn't work to me. This is play. I enjoy this, right? Um, and, and so it doesn't have to be Sunday. It can be Saturday. Like, my weekend is a Friday-Saturday. That's my weekend. I work on Sundays, right? I do some stuff on Sundays. Um, some of you are like, isn't that the only day you work? You know, isn't that the day? <laughs> If you don't know pastors, no. I work a lot during the week, too, okay? Um, but find your day. Find your moment. Find your season as a family, and take that time to rest, to rest, to let God fill you back up, right? So, so let's, let's see what he says here then. Let's, let's keep reading in verse 9. So, there's a law of seasons and cycles in life. Then he keeps going. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There's an awe and wonder of God. Like God's inside of us, all of us. Like, whether you know God or not, whether you read the Bible or not, anything. Like, I believe in all of humanity, there's this thing in us that knows this isn't it. That this life couldn't be just all there is. And people have been trying to find the answer to that in, in all the ways they can, right? Whether it's different religions or different philosophies of life or different, you know, ways to please themselves or whatever it is. And, and God set eternity in our hearts, and then he's calling to his eternity. Like, he wants us to be with him. And we can't fathom what he's done beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. This is what I'm talking about. He's like, it's okay to say, I worked hard, and I'm going to just eat and drink and be happy. Like, yeah, I have to toil because that's a part of the season of life. Like, I got to work. We got to work. Okay? And, okay. Have you ever heard the phrase, working for the weekend? <laughs> right? Some of you are like, yeah, that's my life. I work for the weekend. And then, and then usually the guys that say, I'm working for the weekend, and the, the weekend is they're just wasted the whole weekend until they go to work the next day. I'm like, that's not life. That's a waste. That's not you actually enjoying and being filled up by the work that you do. No, we're called to, to, to be happy with and to do good while we're here that we may eat and drink and find satisfaction in the work. This is the gift of God. God gifts us with that. And that's a part of Sabbath, is enjoying that gift of like, God, I worked hard, and look what, look what I did this week. Look what you helped me do. That's awesome. And now I'm just, I'm going to rest in it. And he says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Do you hear that? Nothing can be added to it, and nothing taken away from it. God does it. Why? so that people will fear him. Like, he said eternity in your hearts. God's had, he has a plan and a purpose. He knows what he's up to. Sometimes we feel like, and, and it's okay to wrestle with this tension. Sometimes we feel like he has no clue what he's doing, right? Sometimes we see the world, it's like, what is going on in this world? And that's the whole tension of free will versus God's will, right? We got people who just do whatever the heck they want to do, and they're not doing it for the good of anybody. They're, they're doing it to gain power or control or knowledge or wisdom or sex or whatever all those things are. And they're doing it at the expense of others for them to gain. That's, you can't enjoy that. And when you die, you will take none of that with you. And you'll actually be leaving wreckage in your wake. 
He says, no, God, what God is doing is going to endure forever. Nothing can be taken from it, and he does it so that people will fear him. This word fear is such a deep word. It's not like fear as in like, yeah, you know, this isn't like going to a haunted house kind of thing, right? Ah, you know, like that. This word fear, it's like this word of adoration, of wonder, of awe, of like amazement, of like, you are God, I'm not. Like, you are made, I get, you are all in all control, and so I fear you because of who you are. I sit here in awe and wonder of your greatness, of your power, of your wisdom, of your sovereignty, of your, your under, like, who you are, God. Whoa. And I understand who I am in the midst of who you are. Because you are forever, you created forever, and your plans and purposes will be forever. Uh, this is what I want you to understand about God that God has a beautiful purpose for every season in your life. He will make things beautiful in its time. Right? And that's us choosing what kind of cake we're going to be at the end as well. Are we going to let God make things beautiful in our life in time? Are we going to trust him that he knows the beginning and the end, that he, he's holding my life in his hand? He knows what I'm going through, and he's with me. Am I going to trust that he knows what he's doing and that he wants to do something beautiful in my life in his time. This takes a lot of trust in God's sovereignty. That's, that's a fancy theological kind of word, sovereignty, that God is sovereign over all, that, that he knows, he sees, and he has a plan for everything. That's who God is. That's a part of his character. He makes everything beautiful in its time, in its time. Now, you've seen, I've had this clock sitting up here this whole time. And it works. It's actually working. Um, and and <clears throat> this clock, it doesn't stop ticking. Like, clocks are those things that help you know and understand time, you know? I don't know if you've ever had, like, a, an old a grandfather clock in your house or something like that, or in your parents' or grandparents' house, where you hear it, like, throughout the whole house, you hear, click, 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 click. And then you hear, boom, right? On the hour, boom. You hear those sounds. It's just a reminder that time keeps on going, right? It doesn't, you can't, you can't control it. Like God wants to make things beautiful in its time. Man, I'm like midlife. I'm in my midlife right now. I'm, I'm mid-40s. You know, I've, I've experienced half of it. I'm looking forward to the second half. And I'm, I'm in that weird place of halftime. And I remember when I was younger, thinking about time. See, those of you who are, how many, uh, people we have here who are in school right now, right? You got some, some you know, teenagers, younger kids. Okay. When you're in school, what do you want to do with time? <laughs> this is what you're trying to do, right? So here's the clock. This, is, this was me in school. I'm like, I, while I was in school, I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> right? You're like, come on. Isn't that three o'clock? The bell hasn't rung. <laughs> you know, we're trying to speed up time. We're trying to like, come on now. I want to get out of the third grade, move up to the fourth, because that teacher's cool, right? You're like, you're like, you're looking forward to something like else is coming, like you're in high school. I don't know, our sons had senioritis since freshman year, right? So they're like, I can't wait, you know, I can't wait to graduate, you know, it's like, and they're just trying to, you know, continually trying to push time ahead. And, and, and I was that way, I think all of us in this room are like that. When we were young, we wanted to go faster. As, as time goes on, you get a little older, there are some times that you want that to, you just want to like, come on now, speed up things. I want this to go faster. And there are other things you're like, slow the heck down, right? 
Those of you who are way past the second half of your life, those of you who are younger in the room, when they say, man, time just keeps going on. I mean, time is flying. They mean it. Like, it's not just like, okay, Grandpa, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like the older you get, it's like, I, I don't have that much more life in me, right? Like, I see, I see it closer than I did, and it feels like everything around me has sped up. It's when you're older, you, you have kids, and then you have grandkids, and you're like, every time you see your grandkids, you're like, wait a minute, you just grew like four inches. And you're like, slow down, you know? You're like, you're trying to push that time. You're trying to slow things down. I mean, right, you get to a certain age where all you read in the paper is the obituaries because you're like, here's all my friends, you know, like, and, and you're like curious about oh, who died this week, you know, and it's like, just slow down. Like, we go through those seasons of life. That time, <clears throat> we try to control it. We want it to go faster or slower. The reality is we can do none of that, can't we? Time just, it just keeps on clicking. It keeps on going. See, there's some things you can do with time, right? Some things you can do with time. This is what you can do with it. You, you can waste it. You can lose it. You can spend it. You can give it to somebody else, and you can invest it. Those are the things you can do with time. The things you cannot do with time, you can't gain it. You can't control it. You can't pause it. You can't add to it. You can't subtract from it. And you can't get it back right? And yet, a lot of times, we try to do the things we can't do with time. I think when we're saying there's a time for everything under, <laughs> under heaven, like there's a time for everything on this earth, and it just keeps turning and turning and turning, and time keeps going and going and going. We need to understand that God has a beautiful purpose for our life in his time. And we have to trust his sovereignty in time. So today, I, I, you know, I don't, I want us to feel the brevity of life, but I also want to understand the things we can do. What are we in charge of? And so this is what we're in charge of. We cannot manipulate time, right? I can't speed it up. I can't slow it down. I can't, like, I can't control it. I, I can't do any of those things. I cannot manipulate time, but we can invest it in things that matter. And I think that's what I want us to understand today. I think that's what, like, Solomon in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes is saying. Like, you can't manipulate this thing. Like, God, God, God holds it. He has a plan. It's going to be a beautiful thing if we let him take all the ingredients of our life and we let him put it at the right temperature in our life. And if we're willing to let him do all those things in the peaks and valleys, something beautiful can come out of it. And he can use it for something beautiful. So we should use that time, whether it's peaks or valleys, to invest in the things that matter. We probably have a generation, or this point in history, have more things to waste our time with than any other point in history, I believe. Right? And we have so many distractions in our life that, here's the thing, we allow them. We let them to start control our time. Have you ever, mm, let's see. I don't know how much time I want to spend on this. Because we got nine minutes. Okay. See, I see a clock ticking the entire time I'm preaching. So I feel it. And I can't control it. It just keeps going, right? Um, 
because I, I can, I can, I mean, I can throw out a list of all the things we waste our time on, right? I, and I could, I could do the stats about you're going to spend this many years in the bathroom in your life. You're going to spend this many years, you know, scrolling on Facebook and looking at a screen in your life. You're, you're going to be spending this many years. Like we, the thing is, none of that's going to change you. You're just going to go, that's interesting, right? Like that's not going to convict you to be like, well, I'm going to stop doing scrolling on the bathroom because those go together sometimes, right? Like, like how many years are just disappearing from your life on things that really don't matter? You're just wasting it, right? It's just that, that was just that, why did I even get sucked into that rabbit hole and, and go down there and, and spend my time doing that or thinking about that? Because we have eternity written on our hearts. Like we feel it. I want Nat to come up. Because I, I want you to understand, this is, this is eternity. And he put it in our hearts. And it just keeps coming out of our heart and out of our, like, we feel this tension of, oh my gosh, this is eternity. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. And he keeps going and going. And this is do you feel eternity? You are wondering, is he going to go to the kids' rooms? No, he's going to stop right there. And if all that is eternity, it just keeps going, and we feel that in our hearts. Do you guys see that little blue line? That's your life. This is all we got compared to all of that. And why would we even think about wasting this little bit when God put eternity in our hearts and he has a plan for us for eternity? Why would we waste this little blue lining? Y'all with me? Like, I want us to have that picture in our minds. I don't know what your thing is. I don't know what the things you waste your time on are. I, I know mine, and I feel like... Whenever I preach a message, it's always like, dang it, God. You know, because like, I, he's got to work on me too. Like, I'm just a sinner with you all, and I'm just learning this stuff as we go into God's word. Like, I'm convicted just as much as you're convicted. It's like, God, I don't want to waste the blue line. Why would I want to? Why would I want to spend it on things that really don't matter at all? Now, I, I need you to understand, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty about, like, going and doing a hobby. Because that's the gift of God. Like, in this blue line, he says, enjoy. He says, go do that thing that you love. Uh, take a Sabbath day rest every seventh day. Like, it's not that we have to work, 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 work in that blue line, but, but it also is like, I'm going to be more intentional about how I rest because that matters too. I'm going to be intentional about what job I'm doing and how, my attitude at work or with my boss or while I'm at school and the work I have to do or whatever it is. Like, this should affect this view of what God has put in us, of how we live our life. Because at the end of your life, I'm telling you, most people don't get to the end of their life and say, boy, I wish I would have ruined my marriage a lot sooner and got divorced and, and you know, messed up my kids emotionally for their whole life a lot sooner. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have become an alcoholic a lot earlier in life. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you don't get to the end of your life and wish you did more of the crap you get to the end of your life and you're like, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids or my grandkids or with my friend or with, I wish I would have read my Bible a little bit more because I'm to the end and now I don't feel as secure as I think I should feel.
because I don't know God as much as I should have known him. You, you with me? When you feel eternity in your heart, it affects how you spend your time on this earth. And so this is what I have homework, okay, for everybody. Um, this is Psalm 90, verse 12. Uh, it says, teach us to number our days. Why? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number the blue line <laughs> compared to eternity so that we will be wise. We'll be wise with what we do with the time that we have on this earth. This is the homework. So if we want to be wise with it, write down the things that will matter in the end in your life. Like make a list this week. Write down the things that will actually matter. Think about the end of your life. And I know most people don't like thinking about that. But I'd rather us get to the end of our life intentionally than by accident. I'd rather have more joys than regrets. And so that's your homework. Write down the things in your life that will matter the most in the end. And then the question is, how will you invest your time in them? Not how will you waste your time. How will you invest in the things that matter the most in your life? This is, a, this is challenging. This is challenging. This is challenging me, just so you know. Like, I feel this tension in my own heart. Like, I want to live intentionally. And the thing is, for us, the, the thing we want to live most intentionally on, the thing that honestly in the end will matter the most is our relationship with God. Because that's who we're going to be with in eternity. He's the one that made the way for us to be with him in eternity. God will be it. And we get to be in his presence in eternity. Like his dream of no more crying, no more sin, no more brokenness, everything perfect back the way he intended in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning. That's eternity. Perfection. And we're invited to that. And so I'm, I want to end with a couple of verses. Colossians in the New Testament. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. It says, whatever you do. So you're going to do stuff in that little blue line. He's like, whatever you do. Whatever it is, work at it with, with what? All your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. He's like, don't work as if it's for this. Because Solomon says, this, all meaningless, meaningless. Like, don't work for things that don't matter. You're working for the Lord. Whatever it is you're doing, you're doing it with God, and God is doing it with you. Work for him. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. We will all see Jesus at one point, and we will all call uh, or, or all give an account for what we did with the blue line compared to eternity. And I'm telling you, I want you to know Christ. Because if you know Christ and he knows you, you now have salvation. When Christ stands in front of you at the final judgment before God, the judge, God the Father looks at Jesus' son and, and Jesus says, they're with me. I know they're sinners. I know they messed up, but they've asked for my forgiveness and I've given it. So whatever sin is already, I already took care of that sin. That's what Jesus says. I already took care of that sin and I've given them my righteousness. He said, welcome, good and faithful servant. You will inherit but not by, by your own works, not by your own goodness under the sun. It's only through Jesus Christ and his goodness and his righteousness that you can receive that gift.
So let's be very intentional with the blue line compared to eternity. Let's use it wisely. We're going to take some time and respond. Let God work in our hearts here a little bit, okay? And, and let him speak into your life. And so, so let's do that. Let's just spend some quiet time. I'm, I want to pray and just lead us into a time, just you and God, us together with God, and, um, and see what he has to say. So God, here we are. And today we, you know, I think we all feel this tension of, of time. We try to speed it up. Sometimes we try to slow it down. Sometimes we try to control it. Sometimes we waste it. But God, we want to learn how to invest it wisely in things that matter. We want to, we want to use our time on this earth, the, the, the bubble, the vapor of, of our existence in this point of history. And we don't want to waste it. We don't want to waste our lives. And so I'm praying, God, right now that you would just help us, you know, just, just lovingly shepherd our hearts, lovingly guide us as we make our lists of what we think is going to matter in the end. That, that we will trust you to guide us into those things so that we can be intentional. And so whatever today, God, we need to prune out of our lives, whatever needs to be removed or whatever we need to spend more and invest more in, would you just show us by your Holy Spirit what those things are? I know you've, you've given all of us gifts, abilities, personalities, and, uh, and you want to use all those things to do something beautiful. And I pray that you would help us as a church find it with each other and find those things with each other. I cannot uh, end the message this morning without, without really just giving anybody in this room an opportunity to understand that there's no way for eternal presence with God in heaven without Jesus Christ. There's lots of religions out there. There's lots of ways people have tried to find peace with themselves in eternity, but none of them work. And you can ask anybody in any other religion, how do you know when you've made it? How do you know when you've climbed that ladder to heaven and you're, you're in? And they can't give you an answer. They say, they don't know. Because they can't ever climb that ladder to eternity and perfection. The only way you can get there is because God loved you enough to send his son down the ladder. And when he came down, he lived a perfect life, a sinless life, he showed us how to live life. And then they killed him. Spiritual leaders, Satan tried to win. And Jesus hung on a cross. See, in heaven, what was happening was Jesus was paying for the sins of all mankind. He was taking that which should be ours, death, and our sin, and he took it on the cross. And he paid for it before our Heavenly Father. Three days later, he conquered death completely, and he rose from the grave, and he is alive. There's no tomb with the bones of Jesus. He is alive in heaven. And so we too can live with him forever. Jesus said he is the only way, he's the truth, he's the life, and he's the only way to the Father. And today, if you want to have a relationship with God and this God who loves you, who knows you, who wants to walk with you in the peaks and valleys of life, who wants to be with you for eternity, 
You just have to confess Jesus into your heart and life. Believe in faith. He is the Son of God. Believe in faith that he died on the cross for your sins. And ask for forgiveness. And you can have a relationship with him today. You can be forgiven now and forever. And so if that's you, I want you to take it seriously today, and I want you to pray to, the, to God. If you've never prayed before, it's okay. The good thing with God is he can hear whatever prayer you pray. It can be as short, it can be as long, it can be as wordy, it can be as, mm, right? And whatever it needs to be, God listens to our prayers. But I would encourage you just to pray to him. Some of you have been wandering souls in life. You knew God really deeply at one point, and you've been walking way far away from him. And there is no time better than now to run back to him. We know he's holding his arms wide open for you. And so if you want that, you can pray too. So let's take that time. You can respond if you want to start that relationship with God. If you want to live with eternity in your heart and then know you're going to live with eternity with God, you can just confess to him. You can say, God, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross to pay for my sin, and that he rose again three days later to, to, to live again so that I can have life. And so I pray, would you forgive me of my sins? Wipe me clean. Free me. Give me peace. A peace that goes beyond this world. Help me understand the length of my life and the time here on earth, but help me have eternity in my heart. I invite Christ into my heart. I invite your Holy Spirit to enter in, and I want to be yours now and forever. So please, God, forgive me and lead me into your presence now and forever. I give you my life. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. And God, for all of us in this room, as we just take some time to process what we've heard, as we sing a song in a moment that talks about building our lives on you and not anything else, because you're the one that's worthy of it all. You're the one that holds it all. You're the one that makes everything.